Shri Vishnu Sahasranam, name 802, is Vajasani. Is that right or is it Vajasana? Hmm. According to rules of uh, Sanskrit grammar, both names are acceptable. Uh, Parashara Bhatta takes it as Vajasani and Shankara Acharya and our own Baladev Vidyabhushan take it as Vajasana, which can give different meanings. Sri Satyadeva Vashishta, he gives interpretations according to both versions of the name, but he says that Vajasani is the Vedic partum because the name Vajasani appears in the Vedas, in the Rig Veda. First interpretation I'm going to do is from the publication from Madhva Sampradaya, and the first interpretation I give is for the name Vajasana, that Vishnu is called Vajasana because he is the Antaryami of the sun. He's the indweller, the driving force of the sun, just like we have. Within, with every jiva is the Supreme Lord. Antaryami means indweller, paramatma, super soul. So in the same way, the sun, the Lord lives with him also, but particularly known as, by, in this name, as the indweller of the sun. Exactly the Sanskrit for that is not given, but the main derivation that the interpreters give is to take vaja as anam, food. But I wanted to bring this name about the sun first because that links with the previous name, 801 Arka, which we discussed in detail as related to the sun. And the root from which sana or sani is derived is san sambhakto, to divide or to give. Now, if we remember, Sri Parasha Bhatta is explaining a whole group of names in relation to Buddha avatar and how Buddha Dev cheated the atheists into following him. As, and in this way, he performed his unusual function as Buddha Dev. So he gives the meaning here of Vajasani as he who advocated eating a lot. <laughs> He's a Buddha Dave was a preacher of mundane pleasures like eating. Generally, we think a Buddhist monk should be abstemious in eating. Actually, that was one of the points that Buddha gave in his teachings. Of course, Buddhism and what Buddha taught, there may be a divergence, just like Christianity and what Christ taught, or Islam and what Hazrat Muhammad, peace be upon him, taught, or what Allah taught to Muhammad. But this meaning is being given. We'll discuss it a little more. 
Parashabhata explains that by the atheistic teachings of Buddha Dev, he created a taste in the demoniac people for the pleasures of the world itself. Oh yeah, I was going to say about Buddha Dev. Previous to chalking out a new path of self-realization, what he called the middle path, he had undertaken severe austerities and, and fasting until he almost died was one of them. But then he realized, no, that's not proper. You shouldn't, you shouldn't eat too much, but you shouldn't eat too little either. Of course, this is all in the Bhagavad Gita. Natashnatastu yogosti nachai kantamanashnataha one cannot be a yogi, Krishna advises Arjuna, if one eats too much or eats too little, or sleeps too much or sleeps too little. Common sense instructions for yogis. <clears throat> but Buddha apparently discovered this by his own experiments with truth. So how is it said that Buddha Dave created a taste for enjoyment of pleasures. And who are we referring to? Referring to he misled the demons, but he's talking about people who are interested in spiritual progress. For want of a better term, because Buddhism, an, an inherent principle in Buddhism is anatma, that there is no soul, there is no spirit. So we use the word spiritual progress in relation to Buddhism in a <clears throat> conventional way, not a technically accurate way. But those who are actually Buddhists, uh, what are we talking about here? Most of the people are, who are Buddhists are, are lay people, but at least according to strict Theravadins, uh, you, to be a Buddhist, you really have to be a monk. Shankara had much the same thing, that if you want to be serious in pursuing spiritual life, he did believe in spirit, he wasn't an anatmavadi. <clears throat> it, it really begins with accepting sannyas. And so this misconception is there in Hinduism up to the present day that Spiritual life means that you have to accept sannyas. Even though in the Vedic age, there were, <clears throat> we're talking about the Upanishads, and Shankara based his teachings on the Upanishads, <clears throat> Vedanta. So there were so many rishis are described who were, uh, who were married. Famously, Brihadaranyaka, the Yagya Valkya. Of course, he was at the point of renunciation. And he had two wives, one who was materialistic and one who's not. Anyway, I am getting diverted here. But <clears throat> it wouldn't seem that, that Buddha created a taste for materialism when so many people who follow him, they, they renounce the world as he renounced the world. He himself was raised in a position of great material comfort and everyone around him wanted him to continue pursuing material comfort. 
But he left that to seek out the truth. And those who follow him, they the monks means they live and lead a renounced life. The monks who follow Buddha Dave. So what does it mean that he created a taste in them for the enjoyment of pleasures in this world? <clears throat> now, reading Srila Prabhupada's books for the first time, it is dung, dung, there are lights going off in my mind again and again, lights going off and wow moments going off again and again, and the first time, and the second time, and the third time, and the fourth time. Uh, but especially the first time, because it was all quite unfamiliar to me. And one of the statements that really struck me, and which I couldn't understand at the time, took me some time to understand, it was a statement of Srila Prabhupada's in one of his purports to Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Adi Leela chapter 7, in which is discussed how Lord Chaitanya met the Mayavadi sannyasis at Varanasi. And therein, within the purports, is some discussion of the, the Kashiya Mayavadi, means the Mayavadi sannyasis of of uh, <coughs> Varanasi, and also the Saranath Buddhists, because at Saranath, which is just a short distance from Varanasi, is a, a major ancient center of Buddhism. So Srila Prabhupada wrote in the purport, factually both the Kashya and the Sarnath Mayavadis. I seem to remember the first time I read it, it said there's Kashya Mayavadis and the Sarnath Buddhists. As well as any other philosophers who have no knowledge of the spirit soul are advocates of utter materialism. Sarnath Buddhists definitely have no knowledge of the spirit soul because they deny the existence of the spirit soul. The Kashya Mayavadis, they accept the existence of the soul, but they don't have proper knowledge because they say there's only one soul. Eko Brahma Dvitiya Nasti. There's only one Brahma. There's no two. And they're quoting from Shastra, but not with the understanding that we who are the servants of the dust of the lotus feet of the Vaishnavas would accept. So, uh, they're advocates of utter materialism, and I, th that, that threw me out when I first read it. What does that mean, that they're advocates of utter materialism? What can it mean? We see that they're very renounced. How can they be advocates of utter materialism? As I realized at some point, after spending some time in Thailand, I, I realized how this is true. Well, it, I, I might have had some realization of it before, but it really came home to me in Thailand, which is, as one devotee who was there, godbrother of mine who passed away now, Bhutatma, who was also an astrologer, or he was a friend, he, he was a friend of uh, Rishi Keshananda, who has spent most of his life there. 
who's an astrologer, and he said that Thailand is ruled by Venus, Shukra, the uh, god of material enjoyment. Venus in Greek mythology is female. Shukra is male. So Thailand is famous for enjoyment, although people can have sex anywhere in the world and there are prostitutes everywhere in the world. Thailand is a popular spot for what is literally called sex tourism because you can get anything you want at any age you want. And if you, if you want young boys, you could have young boys and there's... It might be illegal, but the law turns a blind eye. Of course, things are being closed down due to the pandemic. But apart from that, it's a place of material enjoyment. There's the, the general mood is one of let's be happy. That's all. The Thai people themselves are not overly interested in money-making. They've become political in the last few decades. Otherwise, just get some food, eat, giggle, and tell silly jokes among themselves, and they're quite happy with that. And they're Buddhists, hardcore Buddhists. So how do you put the two things together? I understood that, that what it is, that Buddhism, the goal is nirvana. What is that nirvana? It's undefined because it's so inconceivable, but it's a state of non-existence or nothingness. It's not something very relishable. It's on, only if you're really, really, really fed up with everything, then you want to become nothing permanently. Although you can't become nothing because in Buddhist philosophy, even from the beginning, you or I or anything else doesn't exist. It's it's a very uh, very well argued philosophy in many ways, but it's it doesn't click with anything of our experience or what we might call common sense. It doesn't click at any at least not with me. Uh, so, the aim is not very relishable. If you can giggle and joke and eat some pig meat along with noodles and soy sauce, then common Thai food. Pigs meat pork with noodles and soy sauce. Uh, then... What do you want to become nothing for? Especially when the way to become nothing is so drab. You have to be a monk and you have to be dry and you're not supposed to laugh. Thais are very fond of laughing. Or should I say giggling is more, more like it. You don't see belly laugh so much. So what did I understand from all of this? That the goal of Buddhism is so undesirable the people subscribe to it, but they don't really follow it because the goal is so undesirable and the way to attain it is so undesirable and so hard to attain anyway 
that they just become materialists. What is left but to, come, but to become materialists. And the actual religion that people practice is more worship of spirits. Uh, they worship spirits and they worship Hindu deities for material benefit. And for deep philosophy, it might have been there with the some some monks previously, and they're trying to explain the unexplainable Buddhist philosophy. But most people not not very interested in philosophy. You know? So, of course, this is a broad paint painting of their situation, but it is, uh, it's a generalization, but don't mind, I, I don't want to offend any Thais or anyone else for that matter, but uh, it fits. Now, Parasha Bhatta, in this regard, says that it's the vow of a Buddhist monk that he should consume mouthfuls of curd rice every day early in the morning. Uh, I'm not aware of this being a Buddhist practice. It might have been previously at the time that Parasha Bhatta wrote this. Uh, he would have had commune with Buddhists and Buddhist monks around him, especially uh, Kanchipuram was a, a site of Buddhism and also of Vaishnavism and also of Shaivism. Buddhism is no longer there. Uh, this... I doubt if it is a, uh, a principle in all schools of Buddhism, maybe for those in South India where curd rice is very popular. Uh, we don't get curd rice beyond South India. It's a very South Indian kind of thing. Uh, so it might have been that in one particular sect or in one particular uh, ashram or mat, of the Buddhists, they did that. I didn't research it. I guess if I really wanted to, I could have researched it more, but I didn't bother to. Speaking of Thailand, there's one Buddhist sect in Thailand that uh, I visited them at least once, their main place, and became friends with one of their monks who actually spoke some English, which wasn't very common in Thailand at the time. One sect called the Santhya Sok, who they're really into being real Buddhists and not just for the sake of formality, but they're really into it. They're vegetarians. And one of the things is they only eat once a day, so they def definitely don't eat curd rice in early in the morning. They do rise early in the morning, as all people with any pretensions to be on the strict religious or spiritual path must do. So they eat once a day, but they eat and eat and eat. They really pack it in. <laughs> uh, that's what I saw anyway. This was a long time ago. Long time ago means according to the measure of my pathetic life. Now another understanding of the name Uh, Vajasana. Another meaning, this is given by Baladevidya, but actually it's given first by Shankaracharya and Baladevidya Bhushan follows the same 
understanding, although not in exactly the same word. Shankaracharya gives the interpretation Vajam Anam Artinam Sanoti Dadati Iti Vajasana. He, the, the translator of this has said that he, he who gives food to those who pray for it. Artinam can mean someone who prays for it or someone, but it also can mean someone someone who needs it, someone who wants it. So, Vajasana means he who gives food or gives nourishment to all of his creation. And the, the, the same idea, Baladevidyabhushan. He's the giver of food, and Baladevidyabhushan says, uh, because he quotes from Shruti, Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, Anado Vasudana. So he gives Ana and he gives Vasu. So the Supreme Soul is the giver of food and the giver of wealth. <clears throat> Anada means one who gives Ana. One who feeds. <clears throat> One of the commentators, Sri Radha Krishna Shastri, says that the, this name signifies that he has made provisions for all living beings for their food. He gives the example, even before they're born, the milk for the child is right waiting there, just in the mother's breast, just when he's born. It's not there before he's born. As soon as the child is born, milk comes to the breast. It's all the arrangement of the Supreme Lord. Very hard to explain that in terms of evol Darwinian evolutionary theory. How such a thing, or how anything could have come about. It's amazing how people believe such nonsense. Yeah, you see, our tick ticky doesn't believe it. See? Good tick ticky. Tick ticky means house lizard. That's a Bengali name. <laughs> so, um, and another example that Srila Prabhupada gave was the elephants in the jungle, they ate huge amounts of food. Huge. They, they, they actually do. You'll see they'll eat bamboo shoots, not, not like the way the Chinese prepare it, but little bamboo shoots, but quite big ones. And they eat huge amounts. Uh, but most of it they don't digest. It just gets passed out, semi-digested. So they have to eat a lot to nourish themselves by the arrangement of, not evolution, by the arrangement of nature. The elephants pass out so much stool and they, they just take a little nourishment from, the, from the, what they eat, sugar cane or whatever it may be. But they need to, I mean, apart from having a big body, they eat in such a way that they don't, their bodies don't process a lot of it. It's not that they, you don't see them like cows, they eat grass and then they sit down and they ruminate. They, they eat lots of grass and then they sit down and they burp it up and chew it, chew it thoroughly. But elephants don't do that. Uh, so many things we... We learn by moving around in this world and observing various things. That was the traditional system. You see things in nature and you 
understand the teachings of Shastra in terms of nature. So in this way, Srila uh, Prabhupada explains that the, the, the elephant eats 40 kilos at one session and the, the tiny ant eats a grain of sugar, but it's all provided for by the Supreme Lord. Nityo nityanam chaitanas chaitanam eko yo vidhati kaman eko yo bahuni vidhati kaman yeah, there's one eternal living being and there are many, 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 many others and that one is providing the needs of all others. So that's the beginning of theism, understanding that we need food to live. Without food, we cannot live. So the beginning of theism is to recognize God or nature is giving us this food. In, in, in Christian tradition, so many, practically most religious traditions, they, they, their prayers said before taking a meal to recognize that this is being given us by the Supreme Lord, even in some sects of Buddhism or Taoism, there's something, something is said before taking a meal to recognize that the, this, this is the workings of, at, at the very rudimentary level, this is, the, this is the workings of Mother Nature who has given us this so that we can live. It's a whole big uh, machination of Mother Nature that the, the seed goes in the ground, the seed comes from the tree, just like you or you throw out some tomato and then you after some time you see tomato plants just start growing papaya anything lemon <laughs> just throw out the seeds and then automatically it grows just here in the garden and just where i'm staying there's note shark bengalis may know note shark in tamil nadu they don't no at all. It's, I don't know how it came. It's just growing automatically. One kind of pot herb. After some time, you'll be able to eat it if, if there are any Bengalis around to know that it's edible. So just by itself, the seed, it seems it's just coming by itself, but it's not just coming by itself. It's, uh, it's all the work from... Let's say from the tomato, the, this it's in the in the fruit. Actually, tomato is a fruit, uh, according to biology taxonomy. It's a fruit. So that that seed goes in the ground. That's put there in the in the fruit, so that when it goes in the ground, and it's you'll see just like uh, sita fall or ram fall or. Hanuman fall or whatever. Custard apple, they call it, is it? In English, I think so, custard apple. It's made in such a way that humans and monkeys eat it. Monkeys are also very fond of it. And they spit out the seed. So that 
distributes the seed because the monkeys jump in the in the cedar fall tree. They grab a cedar fall fruit. They take it away and open it up and uh, eat the fruit, which covers the seed and spit it out. So in this way, the seed gets spread. <coughs> The uh, the people tree, the fruit is eaten by certain birds, and the seed goes in the stomach of the bird, and then the, the seed in the, with the heat of the stomach, and the the um, the chemicals in the stomach, it 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 gets processed so that when it gets passed out in the stool of the bird, it's ready to go in the ground and germinate. How does that come by evolutionary process? So in other words, and then there's, there's this, the sun and the moon and the, the water. It's all a huge process by which a little tomato plant comes up and you get tomatoes. So to recognize that there's a there's a whole plan. It's, it's, it's not just going on just <clears throat> like that. It's not emni, as they say in Bengali. It's not just boom. It's, but there, there's a whole of nature, the gods, the spirits, and ultimately the Supreme Lord is behind it all. So to recognize that by saying prayers before a meal, O Lord, who has given this, us this food, we thank you, whatever it may be, Christian grace. We, I used to say it so many years ago, but I don't remember. We say also, Sharira Vidyajal, Jarendriyatahi Kal, we pray, or we, we make some submission that the Supreme Lord has kindly given us this food, this prasad, to nourish the body, to help us control the senses, and ultimately to help us develop love of Krishna. So that's the beginning. In Vedic culture, there's recognition of the goddess Anada, one form of Durga Devi, mother, the mother of the universe, mother nature. So one of her functions is she gives food. <laughs> one of the commentators here, Vaishnav commentator, I believe it is, says that... Uh, <coughs> Food, yeah, good food. We don't just want food, we want good food, don't we? When he writes that with sincere devotion to, to God, one can get good food because Vajasan is the food giver. So if we want good food, if we're, uh, we're supposed to follow a resident of Vrindavan, so if we follow Madhu Mangal, the <coughs> buffoon <laughs> friend, Brahmin friend of Krishna, who's main interest in life is to serve Krishna, of course. Uh, but along with that, he's very interested in eating. Very, very interested in eating. So we, we could be followers of him. Uh, but good food, yes, good food. In Vaishnavism, we don't deny, we don't say you, you have to follow Raghunath Das Goswami and you must eat the leftover rice, which even the cows won't eat. No, we don't say that. 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appreciated, but he didn't say to Raghunath Das, you must continue doing this. And he didn't uh, <coughs> instruct his followers to do that. He also he did say for renunciants, Bhalona Kaibe, don't chase after good food, don't be after good food. Jiva Lala Sheje Iti Uti Dhai. What is that? Udara Pasta. What is that? Udara. Jiva, Jiva Upasta Parayan Krishna Nahipai. Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that who runs after food here and there, whose main business is to run after food, then such a person. He becomes addicted to the pleasures of the tongue and the belly and ultimately the genitals and cannot get Krishna. So that's a fact. But at the same time, again, it's the middle path. We don't say, don't eat good food. You can take in moderation. But our aim of life is not eating. Our aim of life is to serve Krishna. And one of the ways to serve Krishna is to accept only food offered to Krishna. Another meaning of Vajasana. Not only is he giving food, but he is the best eater of all. He's the best in everything. So when it comes to eating, he can even out-eat Madhumangal, as he showed in the form of Govardhan as Jagannath, 65, <laughs> day and night he's being offered food, he goes on eating, and no one can eat to the extent that he does. At the time of the universal destruction, he eats the whole universe. <laughs> Another meaning that all nectar is in him. So he is Vajasana. These are different meanings of the name Vajasana or Vajasani. It's not one of the greatly well-known names, uh, but it's another meditation on the Supreme Personality of Godhead who uh, we worship by a thousand names, by unlimited names, and by one name, Krishna, and particularly via the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Vancha Kalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Singhavirucha. Patita Nam Pavane Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Namaha. Dante nidhaya truna kang padaya nepatya kritva chakakushatam etadaham ravimi. He sadava sakala eva vihaya durat. Gauranga chandra charane kurutanuragaha. Parivada tujano yatatatava nanumokaro navayang vicharayama. Hari rasa madhirama dati matta bhuvi vilutama nartama nirvishama. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari.